0: It's crazy. We're all going to die.
1: Hey everybody, this is Joshua. Hey, this is Dave.
0: And this is Debbie Rashad of the Underground World of Cinema. And you are now tuned into PVD Horror. And you are now tuned into PvD horror. Oh you are so.
1: It's a shame you have
2: to die. Oh, this is a little intimidating, actually. We got a, another podcaster, but you're like a good podcaster compared to us. So like, this is very no. intimidating. No,
0: no. That, that's no. like a whole, that's, you mean currently? No, that's a narrative. Different, different animal. Different animal, okay. yeah.
2: You say so. You're going to show us up. You're going to take this over. I know.
0: I promise I won't. And if I do, cut it out. Just cut it out. I I promise you I won't. I really won't.
1: (laughs) They edit me out all the time. All the time. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. Real quick, uh, the one and only, the actress, producer, podcaster extraordinaire, and just about everything else under the sun, the one and only, miss debbie Rashan is on today thank you debbie for coming on
0: thank you guys thank you guys for your patience thank you guys for having me on you guys are super cool you guys have the best backgrounds in the business and they're real it's not like a, a photo you know it's like a photograph it's not like a zoom screen yeah which you know i didn't even know until i recently i think i was on the billy idol uh store website yes i'm gonna admit that and that's you know that's cool but He's selling backgrounds for Zoom. I was like,
2: hmm. wait, is it him shirtless in the background?
0: Maybe. I, I don't know what it is. I, I <laughs> didn't look that far into it, but it's,
2: it's Billy um, Idol. He, thought, he's definitely shirtless. Uh, the guy loves to be
0: shirtless. <laughs> but you, you're all of our backgrounds are practical. I love it. No, oh, I didn't
2: pull out my "I Love Tromaville High School" uh, sticker for this interview. I should have; it would have matched the terra firmer in the back. Yeah, the Terra. Firmer and, firmer. and I
1: specifically took down my Billy Idol backdrop just for this interview, and
2: now I feel stupid <laughs> that yeah, I was going to say, "Josh, it was missing." I, I was wondering. <laughs> Money
0: well spent. I may go back and get it. I don't know, but I like the practical.
2: Yes, I, like practical. I do. Too. It looks very good. Uh, so, Debbie, you have like close to three hundred film credits. That consists of acting, producing, and writing. Mm -hmm. And you're nodding because you know this already. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah. (laughs) So. You remember that. Is it true (laughs) that your acting career started accidentally?
0: Yeah, it did. It did. I was um, homeless and I was told to, hey, go over to this hotel. And this woman by the name of Lynn Caro, uh, who was just starting out back then, this was like 79, 80 and she and they said, "Oh, you know, they're doing this movie in town. You should go over there and just get them to take a Polaroid of you, and you know, see if you can be a part of it. You know, it's very cool. They're going to be shooting for three or four months. Uh, Lou Adler, the guy who did uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show and you know other things, is uh, the director, and um, this and that. The other thing, I went down, I had my Polaroid taken, and I was asked." as one of the first people, as far as like the extras, not the main cast. Right. So they said, Hey, you're hired. And uh, do you want to actually have your hair dyed, you know, bleached out and and black on sides, but bleached out like sort of pompadour of which is like a super fancy Mohawk, you know, it was like more width to it. And uh, so I was like, yeah, I mean, what, What did I have going on? I was I was homeless. You know what I mean? It's like crazy. So um yeah, so I was like all in and I didn't have like the spray or the wig or and there's nothing wrong with that, but it was like all in, all in. And that was a, a complete um change of focus for me because it actually gave me something to aspire to, because I thought, well, this is amazing, and you know, let me just have. I want to do this. I want to do this because Dennis Hopper and this I'm bringing this up because it was recently a um some kind of anniv- anniversary I think of the release of the movie. He had just done a movie called Out of the Blue in that same area. Um and there was like a lot of like kind of street people and stuff because it was very punk rock um underground vibe to the movie. Um and it was really super cool and I think it was his not his first directing movie but he directed it um but anyway it was before the explosion of movies in vancouver the it vancouver was not like the epicenter of filmmaking at that time in 79 80 it just wasn't i was stuff was being done but really off the charts you know underground vibe it's cheap to shoot there yeah we'll make it look like you know the states okay and you know that was that was then. So I just, I kind of mentioned that cause there were two punk themed movies back to back being made there. And so I thought that was kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, uh, the first time I was homeless, I was 13. And, uh, here's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Has, how has being homeless, uh, and I assume, you know, you were, I heard you were younger when you were homeless. How, how has it affected your life, but specifically your career as well?
0: Boy, what a wonderful question, because you just don't get asked that, you know, and I would say to this very day, it's affected me very deeply, Um, just everything from being super aware of, um, I don't want to say spendings, that sounds so superficial, but just being, having an awareness of, you know, you don't know where you're going to be tomorrow, you just, you don't know. So you sort of have to have this sense of, um, security where it never existed before. So you have to kind of like make up for it or, or I do anyway, in other ways, you know, how can I control the situation? Can I like be confident that I have like something to eat and somewhere to live tomorrow? Um, and just in, in the most basic way to approaching life like that. And I think, um, it was interesting because, you know, as you probably know, too, that, you know, people on the street are, are pretty ruthless and horrible and survivalist, And there's also some good people, ironically and strangely, there really is. Um, so it's funny because I thought, wow, you know, if I can ever get out of this, um, it's going to be nothing but like the great people the people who can go into restaurants and afford to to buy appetizers and desserts. Like this was like a thing with me. I would walk by restaurants and just never be able to afford to go in ever. And so I thought that was such like, you know, a luxury to be able to go into a restaurant and buy a a meal and, and an appetizer. Holy shit. That was like, blew my mind. Anyway. um, Then fast forward. And um, it's so funny because in the very beginning, the first few years of when, after after trainings, it didn't really happen when I was studying acting, but in once getting into uh, working with film, working with people in film, um, and, and soon I, I was thinking to myself, wow, you know, there's some great people, lifelong friends, like forever friends. And then some people that I was thinking, you know, the people in the street were at least honest about being assholes and motherfuckers. And these people are, it's the smile and the fake and the, how am I going to fuck them up so I can have whatever it is that they have in the moment, you know, whenever, whatever year, whatever was going on in the moment. So it was weird because I thought everything would be so nice and happy, schmappy. And in fact, there's that kind of element, if you will, that exists no matter what you do to various degrees. So, yeah, I'd say it's affected me in every way, good and bad. I mean, you know, just bad in the sense that my trust is really, you know, very, very hard to get it. And once you've lost it, it's not impossible, but near impossible to regain. I mean you know, and, and that's with a lot of people, but, um, on the other side too, it's like the gratitude I have for everything, just every, everything that happens. Um, it's, it's just off the charts. So, so it's it, both extremes, right?
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree.
2: <laughs> yeah. We're in the boat on that one.
0: Yeah. 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 But, oh, um,
2: When Josh, when I hear Josh talk about it, a lot of times I get the sense that he's just like a little bit more present in the moment and appreciative in the moment than, you know, others might be just because of that experience. And I'm sure that kind of sounds like that's what you're saying as well. It's just like being able to like sit there and just be appreciative of what you have in this moment. And, you know, whereas if you didn't have that experience, you you tend to be a little bit more future-minded about like, I want this. And you know, it's, it you have a harder corrected. time.
0: Yeah. And some people, and is this is a good thing. I'm not judging. It's not a bad thing, but if you never have had any family to um, fall back on and a lot of people don't, but in different degrees. Right. But if you've never had like that, you know, sort of like mattress to like fall down on, even if it was just, you know, a place to crash or something. So I think that's that all has uh, something to do with how we appreciate stuff. And you know, and then sometimes, and and tell me this is your experience as well. Uh, sometimes just because you're you have gratitude and you're grateful and you're nice, people can sometimes mistaken that for weakness. When in fact, in your mind, you're like, well, you have no idea. You have no idea what I have seen and what I have done to survive. So you don't even like you, you should be so happy that I am grateful and that, you know, for the most part, I'm nice. And, you know, it's not, it's not a weakness. It's a choice because, you know, going through that, that can either completely destroy you and eat you up or you come out the other side and you're like, okay, wow. You know, I've got so much to pour into writing, acting, whatever, like once, but you have to have distance from it because it can't be raw because that you can't really, you know, control it. If something's raw, like a feeling is raw. So once you get the distance from it and the time, then you could really, you know, utilize it. You have like a, a a button that you know how to press to have access to those feelings, which is, sure. which is great artistically. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, let me uh, change gears here for a little bit. Um, so before you um, started making horror films, what was kind of like your, you know were, were you a horror fan did you did you have experience like watching horror movies and considered it something you'd want to do or anything like that yeah, I,
0: yeah I, I really did I always liked um I always got up in the middle of the night uh before the tv went on fair yeah we're talking that long ago <laughs> it actually went off the air remember yeah. like when off the air and guys, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So it really did, folks. For the, the folks that never experienced that, it was a trip. You know, the anthem off the air, and then farm report a few hours later. Anyway, so yeah, I would uh, on the weekends. I would I would see uh, some Hammer stuff or you know whatever they were playing on on TV on on late night in the weekends, and I loved Coal Shack, uh, growing up, The Night Stalker. Uh, well, yeah, I really loved like a lot of um, horror or horror inspired type of stuff that was on. I never forget when um, and I don't even know what happened. So I was so young, but I remember when Alice Cooper was on the Snoop Sisters and all I could remember was Alice Cooper's on TV acting like I couldn't <laughs> tell you. it was about like I I don't know I don't remember but uh that was like a big event big event and so anyway fast forward and um so I'm training in New York and I'm I'm doing all this stuff and everything and uh still enjoying horror movies you know that that would be like my favorite type of movie to watch and and so I I soon realized like okay action movies not literally But movies with action in them, I'm more drawn to than the sort of sit down, have tea. And remember, guys, back then, right, the 80s and 90s, I mean, there was not a lot of uh, versatility for roles for women. And so, you know, and even in my case, I just start out being, you know, the... the silly characters, you know, the 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 weak, silly, ranting and raving characters, and then it took a while to get like the the stronger, like around ninety nine, two thousand, you know, before you had like the stronger. Before it started to become fashion, and I always say, you know what really kicked that up into the mainstream, in my opinion, that would be um, Buffy. I didn't even oh. watch the show. Okay, don't hate the people who love Buffy. I didn't dislike it. I just didn't watch it. And I really believe, though, that that show had a lot to do with people loving to see, hey, you know, we want to see a female be strong like that. So I think that that show was pretty groundbreaking, I got to say.
2: I I think that's a great um, connection. I never really thought about that, but that definitely kind of changed the course for what we um what we started to see after that with female mm. characters. Yeah.
0: I t- yeah, I mean it's that st- that's just I don't I didn't study it. I don't know sure. if that's the actual thing, but it seems like it. It feels like it. Everybody I've also
2: never seen Buffy it. either. So yeah. don't feel <laughs> yeah. But I don't think she ever has played like a victim role in that show. I think and I mean that's typically what we knew of female characters. They are final girls, but at you know, at some point they're victim and then they become strong, but she's just Strong throughout as far as I know.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I think
2: too. We'd have to ask Josh though, because he's the big Buffy fan over here. Oh,
1: okay, good. Yeah. Why why I have never seen Buffy in my entire life. Like <laughs> oh,
2: I just assumed. Sorry, Josh. You <laughs>
1: <have> a- <laughs> See, I am not a Sarah Michelle Geller fan. I I'm not. Uh so I didn't watch the show. But it's funny, I met uh Josh Whedon, who yeah. made the series. It was all his baby, you know, and he ran with it and I met him uh, twice and we never talked Buffy. So we talked comic books. So, yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah. uh, He also wrote comics, too. So but uh, pretty cool that you brought up Kowalczyk because I just got this uh, Kowalczyk book. So I dug it out in my library and it's the next book I'm reading. Uh, I had read it a Very
0: cool. What's, I can't see the title of that one, which, uh, uh
1: it's the case book. I don't know. Ah, the know.
0: Case, okay. Ooh.
1: Yeah, I, I have a bunch of these, but I gave them to my mom because she's my mom. So
0: yeah. Uh, and you so. read them. And so she could read them.
1: Yep. I never read Not any
0: of the books. Now I have to, I have to think about doing that next.
1: Should... <laughs> this one's from uh, CJ Henderson and I would highly recommend it, any of his books. He's really good. Especially yeah. with the Texas. So if you're a reader, uh yes. all our out there. Absolutely. Um, I
0: am. I am. And I, I you. Who are.
1: What are your favorite books?
0: Uh well, right now, uh going through the Mindhunter series, which has been around for a while, but honestly, like with everything that I have to do, I'm always under so much pressure, it feels like, that I just put on myself, basically, but I've always got stuff that I have to get to, so I'm finally in, in that, like, I have the three books, I'm, I'm going through them, because I love the, the series, and then going back to the book, and I actually have a couple of old books of that, um, oh my goodness, uh, James, um, what's his name, what's his name, what's his, Douglas? Uh, John Douglas, John Douglas and uh I have like old old books that where he wrote about um doing like FBI stuff and everything but these books these are kind of the ones that really you know brought him he was already really famous on TV I mean there wasn't any show that he wasn't in if they wanted like a professional to be speaking on a subject cuz he you know he was he was him and uh so yeah it's um so yeah working on that but you know have literally piles and and piles and piles yet to get to some done, some (laughs) mostly not done, mostly not done. You know what it is too on it? Yeah, exactly. And you know what it is? I feel like I'm always until I've completely completed my book, which is like 75% there. I go, if every time I go to reach for something, I'm like, well, I shouldn't be doing that. I should be doing this. So the guilt, yeah, you know, I have, Oh, you have this time. Don't you think you should be doing this? But in fact, it always, it helps the mind creatively when you, you know, delve into somebody else's world, you know, and it just inspires you. It's like watching a movie before you make a movie. It's, it's, it's not one or the other. No, I can't watch any movies because I'm about, no, but like, (laughs) somehow I have this, like, Oh, there's always like this guilt trip of time going on for me.
2: Did Which is a whole any... other story
0: and not interesting for your listeners
2: at all. Well, did you have any training in in writing? Like, did you um, like how did you get into writing and like actually learn how to write?
0: I just well, through through doing some really ho- horrible writing, I think. Um, yeah, I started out. Uh, well, it was the early '90s, so there was a lot more opportunities to write. Uh, for me then, um, because, you know, there was underground zines and then there was magazines. Uh, now, of course, with, you know, the Internet, you could you could write for many places. But a lot of the places that um, I was breaking into, not at first, but ultimately, you know, they were there were paid gigs as opposed to, you know, there's so much of it now that it's very hard to get paid for for something like that. It's a hard It's a hard road. And I give people a lot of credit because you see some people write amazing things that obviously took a lot of time and research and they may or may not have gotten a penny for it. They did it for the love of it, but I, I did. And, you know, I wrote some horrible, I would interview people and I would transcribe it and I would, uh, Write you know the intro and outro perhaps, and um, because the narrative, I was always like, well, I'll let them speak for themselves. But boy, I could I could look back and say, holy cow, that really sucked. Like I read it and make make myself laugh. I know I did an interview with uh, Marilyn Chambers for uh, Scream Queens Illustrated Magazine, oh. and um, she was just fantastic like what a what a wonderful lady like really and um you know i look back and in my i can't remember like the exact line that i used but it was some um line like you know she she's basically a professional copulation consultant and i'm like what what was, on earth was i thinking to what was i <laughs> even talking about i don't even know like was i trying to be funny was it sure. but it was so ridiculously stupid yeah. Um, and then kind of like switch it up, you know, years later, a couple decades later, I just kind of it, your voice comes to you. If you just keep that something ultimately like what you guys do on the show here, I'm sure that, you know, you guys have like sort of a uh, tweaked your.
2: Oh, 100%. I mean, we still have a long way to go, but yeah, from the first few to, to where we are now, I feel way more comfortable. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was, I remember, like, I have a hard time actually even thinking about some of our early episodes and, you know, they're kind of cringeworthy. So mm-hmm.
1: you should try listening to them. They're, they're, they're so bad. <laughs> they're so, like, I listen to them. I'm like, oh,
2: I have but, a hard time right, with I that have, with anything. I, though. I, like, I've like,
0: done that too. <laughs> yeah.
2: Anything but, that I like create, I have a hard time looking back at, though, I feel like. Mm. It reminds me of something that makes, it's almost like, I don't know, there's like a weird embarrassment behind it sometimes. And I just have a hard time with that. And that's, yeah, that's always been a struggle for me.
0: Well, you know, I could relate to that because like not just with the movies, which as an actor, you really don't have any concept or especially when you're starting out. So you don't know how something's going to turn out. You're reading the script and it's like, wow, this is great. And this is exciting. And then you do, you, you don't get the full impact of like, okay, well, the director, the DP, the editor, all these people have such a massive effect on everything, yeah. everything like your makeup artist too. Like really? And the, the how it's something's lit and everything. Like you have no, no control over any of this and just, yeah. So movies aside, which are, you know, Oh my God. Yeah. Like just the learning curve acting wise. And also looking at like the, the flaws of the filmmakers that, you know, and the funny thing is so many side notes, side note. um It's weird, but you know, when you make movies and you've made a few and then people start like reviewing them, it becomes like, I want to put in air quotes, even though that that's obnoxious, it becomes your movie suddenly and like, did it, was it good or was it bad? And it's somehow on your shoulders, which is kind of weird, you know. Like, I don't know. It's a strange, strange thing. But for radio, totally get it, totally understand those those moments where you look back and you, you play a show. I mean, Michael Madsen was on Fangoria Radio one time, and he was he didn't want to be there, not even close. Like he was on because he had some. Uh, a book come out that was of his photographs. It wasn't even for a movie. Okay. So he was forced to come on because, you know, he was supposed to be promoting his book, but he was sitting down and he was eating spaghetti with ranch sauce and oh. uh, he just he couldn't care less. And Tony tampon said, hey, you want to read, read something from your book? You know, and he's eating. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, that's, that's not going to happen. And it just went from there. Down, like down, it didn't go up from there. It's horrible. I was mortified. I was like, Oh my god, that was just so painful. But then, ironically, as things work out, pain usually brings something cool. Yeah, if you hang around long enough, and um, a lot of the sound bites that we used for weird situations were actually quotes of him from that night. And yeah. it became a big funny thing. Well, that's and hilarious. We were used in that way. So I understand yeah. completely.
2: Nah, no, nah, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> that's a good little yeah. sound to use. All of that. That's not gonna happen. That's,
0: that's not it. gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> so, I, and I, yeah, I like I say that there's things that, that happened that I probably blocked out. Like it just that was like it just went down from there. And it yeah. was just like insane, insane. Because I had a lot more famous people on, a lot less famous people on, but he was like so cool, loved so many of his movies. So then you're like,
2: ah, ah. That's, you know, we talk about that a lot and we haven't really had this experience yet, but Mm -hmm. like, there's so many people that we, you know, admire their work or we Mm -hmm. like just- you Know, we just think they're cool and like we really want to meet them, and like, um, we're just waiting for that day where somebody we do get that chance to like have this kind of conversation, and they just totally let us down. And we're like, oh, and that I just it will happen one day, I know that, yeah. but it's you know, it hasn't it's happened yet. right now. No, right no, now, this is like not at all, not, not a we're chance. Living
0: it. This is it. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> I gotta give you some good one-liners
2: this <laughs> year. <here>. Let's see, <laughs> it's great. Nice try. Nice. Yes. Try not to be cool.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I just have a weird question. What, like you're so talented, so why stay independent when I'm sure you could have gone Hollywood? You know, and I I always wondered that, and I don't think I've ever got a definitive answer out of any interview that I've ever read that you were in.
0: Why? Okay. So three. I think three things. One is. I always liked the roles, even though some of them turned out horribly, uh, I always liked the roles better for females in my timeframe of coming up um, in the indie, indie horror scene better. Um, it's not that that wouldn't have been worth doing other things, you know, to to get more um, uh, money basically is, is, you know, and, and cachet, you know what I mean? Cachet is important. Um, But I do, I do think um, going back to the homeless elements of one's psyche and self-esteem and mind, um, I always felt like, you know, I wanted to feel, feel comfortable. And I always felt like I was never, ever, ever part of any particular um, accepted group. Like whether it's true, it's not true, doesn't matter. That's kind of how I felt. And so I felt that. So I probably very much distanced myself from being part of like something where, you know, every every part of you is like looked at and judged. And, and um, it's, I don't know, just it seemed like, for instance, when I started out, I was uh, working with this guy a little bit, not much. His name, was he was an agent in New York. His name was uh, Tommy. Tommy of uh, something like Stars or something. His name of his place, Stars. And um, he was getting like a lot of actresses in New York City on the, what was really popular then and would be career making, more air quotes for you, uh, to get on Baywatch. So I would never forget like he would say, "Okay, one thing I'm going to tell you right away is stop writing because you're going to be sit- sitting down, and you're going to have a fat ass." And I was like, "Wow." And, I, and immediately I was like, "Okay, well in my mind, this is not this is not for me." Like, "Wow, that's weird." Like I've been training to be artistic my whole life and uh, you know, the first advice from the professional world right from the 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 person one of the many people who could you know help get you work in that world that you're talking about um i was like so put off um that and many experiences like it it was so and then just the amount of people that were just you know sleeping with people and you know, again, we're talking about the 80s and 90s. We're not talking about now where all this would backfire and, and you know, explode in your face for both parties, probably. Um, but I mean, there, there's a lot of different stuff like that that I, repelled me. So I was just like, OK, well, I just want to enjoy myself. Like, you know, I know it's not a laugh a minute. I don't mean enjoy in that way. I mean, enjoy like, you know be like really down with what I'm doing and not, not, you know, going into these places where I just, I, I don't feel comfortable going, you know? I mean, I think, you know, if you've, if you've slept under the bridge and you've slept, you know, under some sort of bushes so that people wouldn't see you. So you wouldn't get, you know, either robbed or raped or something. I mean, you kind of like, it's a long time ago, but this seeps into your brain. And sometimes you're just kind of like, well, you know, I don't want that that element to even like see me, if you know what I mean. Would I like the comfort and the the um, all the stuff that comes with it? Sure, absolutely. I would love the. I would love to, you know, have a really nice house and have you know all of the elements that give one a sense of um, uh, security, right? Money in the bank for when you retire, all these kind of things that I don't have, but I have other things that have made me really happy. So there's that there's people yeah. who, you know, work their whole lives and they have the other stuff. They're not happy. So I think, you know, whether you have it or you don't have it, your happiness has to come from within yourself. And it's not easy. We're not naturally happy. We have to choose to be right. We have to choose Choose what we're thinking about, because otherwise our mind will just, you know. Anyway, where are we going with this, guys? I don't know. Where am I going with this? Oh, that's,
2: that definitely answers the question. <laughs> <laughs> and then some. So, yeah, a- um, let's get into your your podcast, Obscurities. So um, it's filled with a lot of lore, mysteries, murder, all that good stuff. So Mm -hmm. how'd you get involved with it? And I wanted to ask you, like, what have been some of your favorite topics so far?
0: Oh, well, you know, it's I've I've wanted to do a podcast for quite a while. And it's kind of like, well, I've done like a lot of radio over the years, uh, you know, right from the WBAI which is like a not-profit in New York City, and then did Sudo, which was literally the first internet radio station ever, um, 96 on the internet. Then did Yada um, 99, couple years while they existed, more internet radio, but they were doing it like studios, like spending millions and millions of dollars recreating a, a radio station for the internet not taking it to where we are now where you don't need all that. So um yeah I'm telling another long story just to get to what you me okay so but I, I say this to say did I say that to say this. So then Sirius came along and we were doing uh Fangory radio on satellite and So then I said to myself, well, you know, I've done a lot of like interview stuff and I really, really like it. Like, I really like it. I like the people that I meet and I have a lot of fun, but I want to do something different, like not repeat myself and not, you know, not have something where it would take, it really takes a village. Like what you guys do, I I give a lot of respect to you guys because, you know, in, in that scenario at Sirius, we had like, we had a board operator. I was one of the producers, but you had producers booking the show,
1: mm-hmm.
0: literally writing out the show. You know what I mean? The breaks, the, the you know, um, the, all, the, all the ads that we had to read, all that kind of stuff. We literally would be a physical book at the beginning of every show, right? So that kind of work, I know that you don't have to do it nowadays with podcasts, but I just kind of like, to me, I always felt like, well, if I can't do it a certain way and I'm, you know, it's just going to be one of many and not even, you know, like it, I don't, I don't know. It just, it didn't appeal to me because, and so therefore, if it doesn't appeal to you and it's not a passion for you, you're probably not going to do a good job. So you got to leave it to the people who feel really strongly about it. Cause they're going to put all the energy into it and do a great job. So love radio. What am I going to do? maybe something narrative tell a story very old school right like that going back like um just like with franken uh frankenstein mobster uh the uh six-part series i just did based on the graphic novel was just insanely so much fun so much fun but weird because we're all recording it in different places we didn't not even uh, not even
2: read through yeah
0: together so really weird but yeah obscurities uh narrative that's really what drove me um just to do something different to see how that would go and I like uh a lot of the topics i like I love them all, but the ones that really stand out for me are you know finding stories that people may know, but they're not so overly done like they're obviously famous stories right but they're not like um ones that they're they're at least uh, elements to the story that people may have not heard. Oh,
2: you definitely go in depth with the stories. I I appreciate that for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I try to bring something different, at least, yeah. and new, perhaps, you know. Or maybe, you know, some of it, but not all of it. And so that's, try to do that with the show. So it's a little bit, it's fun, entertaining, uh, and maybe you learn something. Maybe you go, oh, that's interesting. Yeah,
2: absolutely. You know? so you had some locations on there that kind of surprised me uh, just because I was, it was not something I had thought of, you know, uh, wanting more information. But then when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And I tuned into those ones specifically, but um, it was like the, you just did a King's park uh, psychiatric one and Mm -hmm. then you did North brother Island. And I was telling Josh, I wanted to ask you about this because I did um, a little bit of photography with those abandoned locations Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually haven't been to those two locations. Kings parks is kind of filled with graffiti and it's kind of a playground for kids who like to do that abandoned stuff. So yeah. I haven't gone there, but I've, I've gone to a number of abandoned locations and I was actually thinking like, it would be really cool to know more of the backgrounds of a lot of these places. Like you can, you know, Wikipedia stuff, but, um, you really mm-hmm. did a great job giving detail, especially that North brother Island episode was really detailed. That was, um,
0: yeah, that one was so much fun because here's an island, as you guys know, um, that not a lot of people know about, strangely enough, like what a an amazing place, what a history. And uh yeah, there's obviously stuff if you know to it's like one of those things that you can find a lot of information if you know what to look up. Yep. But if you just threw out to somebody North Brother Island, they would be like What what's that? Where is that? What state is that in? You know, like because there's all these little islands by New York and they're all like insanely fascinating because obviously everything on the East Coast, well, both coasts, but um, is going to going to have a lot of history because that was the first place that was hit by many people coming over. Right. So it's just that all of these like little uh, places, they have like such a plethora and such like a, they're like, they have more history than a lot of the other areas. I would say, if that makes any sense.
2: No, absolutely. And you know, that's our area for sure has been like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a hotbed for those kind of locations because there is so much history and a lot of that stuff kind of originated in our area with like the asylums and stuff like that. Like they don't really have those on West coast, um, the way they have them over here.
0: Right. And that's kind of weird too, isn't it? Like, yeah. why? Why the East Coast? <laughs> why do we have, do we need more asylums in the West Coast? But then
2: again, they're all, I mean, that's kind of, you know, the, you know, this is total side track here, but like that's kind of coming to an end, obviously, because they're, you know, we're moving far, far away from that kind of um, mentality of thinking people need to, be stored away in asylums because they have a disability or a mental health issue. Yeah. So it's a good thing that they're closing, but it is interesting that we had so many of them and, you know, and some of the things you see inside them. And that's actually, I was going to talk to you after the show and just suggest a few things. Cause I would love, personally, I would love more information about them. Mm-hmm. Um, but some things that I've seen that I would love if, you know, just to throw it out there, if they are topics that could make it onto obscurities at some point, mm-hmm. Rhode Island also- has a ton of uh, lore. I didn't know if you were gonna yeah. do any episodes about Rhode Island.
0: Oh, there's no doubt. Like, I, I'm sure that there'll be some th- there's a lot of stuff about Rhode Island. Oh my god. Holy cow! Yeah. I mean, just because I've known a few people, not not a ton, but a few people. There's some filmmakers and actors, Michael mm-hmm. Thurber, like one of my good friends. He's Rhode Island, and that I know that there's like so much. Uh, so many strange and interesting things going on in Rhode Island. Um, But yeah, just like the, I, I swear to God, you could just take the Northeast and spend like five years doing shows on just that particular part from, you know, the Jersey shore and, you know, the like uh, down in Marlboro, there's that uh, abandoned uh, mental institution uh, psychiatric ward Mm -hmm. And just like, uh, just condensed in that just Northeast. It's yeah. been years just on the Northeast. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Totally get to Rhode Island.
2: Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah.
0: Here,
1: a, we, we are the vampire capital of the United States. I'm just saying.
0: Is that right? <laughs>
1: uh, we had documented case in uh, 1796, Dave around yeah, there. Yeah, I
2: think that's what we had said earlier. And it's funny yep. because there's one vampire who gets mentioned all the time and that's Mercy Brown, but there's way like way more than just her. Like we get known for the for Mercy Brown's case, but there's a whole family of vampires um that, you know, were were documented and um yeah, it's it's way more than just that one case, but the, she tends to be the most famous one, I think.
0: Awesome. Oh, yeah. I, it sounds like you could spend a year on Rhode Island. I mean, because I've heard all kinds of stuff from people I've worked with there. And yeah, yeah I mean, hauntings and, and yeah. all, phew, all different kinds of stuff. So of yeah, got to get, gotta get to Rhode Island again. You
1: gotta, I'm going to change this up. Uh, if you do come to Rhode Island, let us know. We'll give you the tour. It'll literally...
0: Yeah. Oh, hell yeah.
1: It's so tiny. Five minutes, half hour around the state. Five minutes. <laughs> like
2: <laughs> I mean, Five you tour. know,
0: the times I worked with um Richard uh, on like exhumed and and uh, splatter disco uh, oh, that
1: was... Yes, I meant I have to ask you about that. Yeah. So I was in that film. Yeah, that's cool. I, I I'm I need to know what were your thoughts on Splatter Disco. Well, yeah
0: you're gonna hate me you're gonna hate me because this this is this is like the worst thing a person could say and yet i have to be honest i i haven't seen it yet look at i took your breath away that was so bad that was so (laughs) Uh... i i i have not i own it i have not seen it yet that's the truth and here's the thing, though, I've seen exhumed numerous times. Now, why is that? Because I've been to places where it's screened. So it's not like, oh, I ne- would never put a movie in and watch it and support the the cast and director and everything. But it's just one of those ones, and there's a few of them that just kind of I, I just kind of slip through the cracks. You tell me your experience.
1: Uh, okay. So if we're being honest, uh, me and two of my brothers, my, I have a whole adopted family and Mm -hmm. the three of us went and, uh, they were like, can you guys do makeup? And my brother was doing special effects at the time. So we did some makeup and stuff. And, um, none of it was in the movie. Uh, the guy that was, um, running the set, uh, the errand boy was not very nice. Let's put it that way. And uh, we were all way in the back And I got a phone call from a I don't know, the woman that raised me And I picked up the phone and he was like And then we got into a fight So me and my brother Got cut from every scene In the movie um, But my other brother, the stoner He was in like every scene He was in there like 18 <laughs> times And we were like, how did you get in? And he's like, I took my shirt off And I walked <laughs> in And I was like, What? <laughs> So, um, yeah, we got to, I got to hang out with Ken Forey for a day and, uh, it it was something like, it was a fun experience, but I just wish I hadn't gotten into the fight. Uh, I was very upset when I got the DVD and I watched it and we had done three days of filming and we were cut out of every single scene. And, you know, my stoner brother's not even the good looking one.
0: You know, there's a theory again, isn't it? You take your shirt off, you stay (laughs) in the movie. That's what they always said to me. If you take your (laughs) shirt off, you'll stay in the movie. Okay, there's three things. You want to stay in a movie. You get naked, you are a monster, or you're horribly and wonderfully killed. You stay in the movie. You'll never get cut.
2: I mean, I will do any of those, so... (laughs) <laughs> to anyway. go.
0: on the record you're
2: listening i will do any of those i promise
0: and <laughs> all of them all of them
2: all of them at the same time yeah
0: same time
1: yeah the uh so staying on the independent uh question so to so speak you were in a few trauma films like we we got to see uh hashtag shakespeare shit storm Mm-hmm. Uh, before it was released and we okay. interviewed Lloyd and it was so awesome, but you were in a bunch, like, what was it? Terra Farmer, yeah. um, Poultry Geist, if I remember correctly. Little uh, bit.
0: Tromeo and Juliet.
1: Tromeo, yes, Tromeo they, and
2: Juliet. That was a big one. Yeah. I was, yeah.
1: Was one. And then there. They, I mean, there was like returning, I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, yeah. So how was it working with Lloyd? I mean, we had a great interview, but how was it working with Lloyd and how was trauma as a whole?
0: Oh, well, you know, it's weird because, okay, well, first of all, Lloyd is Lloyd, like Lloyd is the whole package. He is uh, amazing. He's lifelong. He's like family. And he's also, you know, you can also go through periods of like, um, where, you know, Lloyd is like, not, he's not happy with you for some reason. And you go through that and it just, when it's multiple decades of a relationship, you have to understand that it's like any relationship. It's not like, oh, it's all like pretty happy, fake. And you know what I mean? It's not, he's, because it's not just business in the sense that um, it's not like he pays everybody a boatload of money. They come and do a great job and then they leave. It's like, everybody is far more tied in because nobody is getting paid. Because, you know, if you get like $250 to act in a movie for five weeks, that's not getting paid. That's not even my coffee money. No, not even close to paying for my coffee. So obviously, you're there for uh, creative reasons. You want to be there. You're having fun. You're um, enjoying yourself. But you're also, it's also personal. So it's different than being hired for a job. Not artistically. You're bringing the same thing even though it's you know absurd yeah, comedy. comedy yeah so but um okay so i hope that kind of answered uh lloyd because that's that's comp- it's very complicated uh you know lloyd as the friend who's always there lloyd as the director who um Is really like, especially the last one where his wife was there all the time. I mean, he's he's way calmer. I think when I first met him, he was still under the impression that like, you know, you have to put the fear in people to keep them going and working hard and all that. And he's just not like that now. So that's that's kind of like the evolution of knowing somebody for that long. Uh, as far as trauma goes, like as a company, you know, it really depends on who is working there. It takes on who is working there. I always kind of thought of trauma as the same entity, but then that was always a mistake because it would depend. I first met them um there was a couple of guys working there that uh, are lo- like decades long gone, wonderful guys. And one of the guys would always say to Lloyd, we were doing these like bumpers for uh, TV cable was just, you know, really coming up. And so even though I wasn't even in any of the movies yet, we were doing like little skits for like German uh, television or something like that. And so uh, he would have us come in for like five hours and do like 10 shows in five hours and uh, the the guy would say, Lloyd, you gotta pay these people. You got to, you know, give them one hundred and fifty bucks for the night of work, you know. And he and it would do it, and he would get get that through. And then, you know, so it all depends on who is who is there. So I never assume that um, it's like the same entity, it's the same sure. film company. Lloyd's there, Michael Hers is there, but as far as like, you know. Your personal relationship with them as a group—it depends on who's there. Yeah. And Lloyd just got a brand new uh, personal assistant, Rocco. Yes.
2: We uh, we actually had Rocco on the show. Um, yeah. And we so. we got to watch, check out his film and everything, and he's Rocco's great.
0: Yeah. So I mean, I think this uh, another and Thomas before him was was great, and uh, yeah. So I think it's a, on a really good, really good curve. Um, and, uh, and some, some of his, uh, people working at trauma have become like lifelong friends of mine, you know, like I can honestly say I'm still in touch with them and, you know, they weren't even necessarily actors. They just worked in the office. And so it's really nice. And then some are sort of like, you know, they're there cause they want to get into the film business, but they don't really care about trauma per se. So they, you know, the trauma family, even though you've maybe spent your entire adult life as part of it, they couldn't care less about you one way or the other, you know? And so that's, that's weird when those phases come and go because you're like, Oh, that's odd. I mean, nobody has to, you know, that's up to them. That's fine, but it's odd. It's weird because you sort of in your mind, it's like family. Um, So you have to keep checking that because that, Family depends on on the individual people,
2: yeah, for sure. Um, so, Debbie, yeah, I want to ask you. You don't little, have
0: short uh, answers for anything, apparently. I don't know, but <laughs> <Well>, you <laughs> would ask me things about uh, you know things that are decades long, yeah. then it's hard to answer short.
2: No, that's that's very understandable. That's all right. Some people come on and they are very short and to the point. And some people come on and they elaborate, and we appreciate both. So we're prepared for whatever you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I Apparently wanna... I do
0: need a podcast just to you get do. all the talking yes. out of me.
2: So you're taking over us. You're, you're the new PVD or I'm,
0: I'm the third, I'm the third wheel tonight. Cause yeah. your other guy is not with us. Right. Yeah.
2: Um, so we started to formulate a playlist with um, our guest favorite music. Yeah. And we were wondering if you could give us two songs that have either influenced you or have some kind of meaning in your life that we could add to our playlist.
0: Oh my God. There's so many. It's crazy. So just like the first ones that come to mind, because there's so many more than these Perfect. really. Uh, if you want to just take two of the top, very top of my head, you could take uh Billy Jack bitch by Prince. And you could take uh metal guru T-Rex.
1: T-Rex. I never thought I would hear anybody say T-Rex. That's interesting. really yeah uh we've been getting (laughs) really interesting uh somebody else said pj harvey recently and i thought i would never hear that so i was like oh but this playlist um we'll 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 have to send it to you it's on spotify and youtube it's a a pretty interesting list
0: yeah yeah (laughs) oh yeah please do please do and i'm not you know i'm not uh canceling
2: spotify so i'll i'll listen cool Uh, (laughs) Uh, It'll be on YouTube, too, for people who are going to who are going to cancel Spotify.
0: (laughs) I know. I know. I know. Well, you know, and I'm just saying, just saying, I mean, there's a lot of good points being made out there with a lot of stuff. There really is. There really is. And even if I agree with them, sometimes I think, well, got to be a better way than canceling everything.
2: Yeah, that's my opinion. Very, to, it's a valid point. It's a valid point. I think, and that, you know um, what?
0: Though here's the thing: like, what are you going to cancel entire movies and and things that were going on and stuff? That's history. You may not like it, don't watch it. Sure. But the fact that we had to do it, and some of us, like whether it's acting or it could be any part of the arts, and I'm not talking about real life stuff. I'm talking about mm-hmm. you know the arts that are reflecting the times. That's the whole point of it. So you may not like it, but it's educational, is it not? Is it not educational that, yeah, all the movies made during this certain amount of time were very misogynistic? Well, yeah, they were. You know what I mean? That's where you got your chops from. And you could choose not to do them and and that's fine too, but you could choose to do them and Hope that you can move on from there. And that's why you did them. And it brings up the the topic of conversation. But I don't think we need to cancel everything. Maybe maybe there's there's always exceptions to the rule, right? There yeah. always exceptions. I think if
2: we go if we go too black and white with cancel culture, you yeah. then almost turn into now we're like almost at banning books. You know, it's like that's um, right. you know fascism. Kind of, yeah, which is I think,
0: exactly what everybody's supposed to be against or people are claiming they're against it's like to you know what my whole thing is no extreme how about that
2: Uh, that's you know that's kind of what i was thinking it's not right not left no extreme yeah black and white thinking really has no place in society because there's nothing black and white about any of. there's nothing
0: black and white in life yeah right
2: you guys i totally agree with you i i Talk to people about black and white thinking all the time and how problematic it is. Um, because when you look at things that way. I said I was working
1: on it, Dave.
0: Gotta <laughs> get out of that, that black yeah. and white thing with the the thinking so strictly. Yeah. Stop it. No. Anyway. Yeah.
1: So uh, that's
0: where we're at with the council call. Okay, we handled that. Now. Well, wait, so was the next thing we're going to talk about? We handled the cancel culture, which is, by the way, segue here for you guys. A big part of the Shakespeare shitstorm movie.
2: Theme. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, absolutely. That. That's I mean, that's exactly what he's addressing there, I believe. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's actually I believe it's right in your face. He pretty much says it. Um, But yeah, no, that's that's so true. He that. So our conversation with him was so interesting because, you know, he's very passionate about what the things he's believes in and, you know, his his stance on things. Mm -hmm. Um, And he is just trauma is one of those things that always toes the line of being offensive, but it gets away with it because of how much they are able to they use offensive humor to point like to To show how ridiculous those offensive things are and those offensive people are, Mm -hmm. and it's so it's such a weird dynamic, but it works. And um, you know, Lloyd is very like honest and open about how he addresses things, and Mm -hmm. you know, I just really appreciate that about him. Um, so that was interesting to hear him talk about that.
0: Oh, that's like perfect. I mean, that was said so well because, I mean, that's exactly right. And then you could take it one step further, which is. Okay, why do you like horror movies? Horror movies are great because you could say anything with horror. You can't say in in drama or comedy. You could, you could. But it's not the same as making the subject matter a monster or a thing or a virus or a something under the guise of what you're trying to point out or look at. And that's another thing. And sci-fi, of course. Uh, What makes it so awesome is that you could actually, you know, talk about things in movies, address things. Right. I mean, I totally
2: agree. And you know, I, I integrate horror into so many conversations, even with people that like it may not connect with, but I try to make it connect somehow just because it's like the best way to give analogies and visual examples of things and it's funny when it actually works and people get it because they're like, oh yeah, I see that. Um, Cause that's what horror to like generally is. A lot of our stories are metaphors for bigger issues. Right. That's it. That's it. Exactly. I You're love it. And that's
0: another reason why I love it so much.
1: <laughs> I don't know if you can tell Dave's a psychologist.
0: Is he
2: really? Uh, so I saw so, so yeah, I do, ther- I do therapy and, um, oh. with, um, all different populations, and then I work another job where I do behavioral. Uh, Maybe I can stuff. hire
0: you later, after <laughs> the show. You tell me your rates.
2: Yeah, yeah. I awesome. don't think
0: I can afford you, though. I don't think I can afford him.
2: Uh you I can. <laughs> Trust uh, no, no, we, I,
1: I, I was his client, and that's how we met. Yeah, and, hey, he's talk. lying. No, I, don't,
2: I don't want people to think that about you, Josh.
1: Well, they, already all think that, they already be your
2: client.
0: We need therapists in this, you know, in this underground world. So thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. (laughs) I love it. It's
1: awesome. Appreciate that. Um, Yeah. That's a good segue. Speaking of therapists, let's talk about Chainsaw Sally. Um, It was one of my favorite films. Uh, When it first came out, I absolutely loved it. Uh, Gunnar Hansen was in it, and I I fell in love with the character. I love... uh, J- jameel and april burrell i think they're so creative and mm-hmm. every time i've interacted with them online and stuff they've been super humble super awesome to like conversate we i've posted some of their stuff and uh super nice people uh, online anyway yes. um and you were in the tv show the chainsaw sally tv show yeah and i don't remember you in the first season but it says you were in the first season um so I just wanted to ask you what that was like and how awesome are they really in real life?
0: Well, they are. We did the first thing we did together was the movie The Good Sisters and then we did the Chainsaw Sally show. And um we've always been on the verge of doing something else. There was a few movies we were going to do since then that sort of didn't come about. And that was for various other reasons. The bottom line is they are truly, truly like my family. Like I feel like when I've gone over there and it's been my birthday, April April has not, not even bought, which is nice too, but made a beautiful birthday cake, you know, from scratch for me. And, you know, you if you're ever going through there, they would be highly insulted if you didn't stop by and, you know, crash for the night or whatever. I mean, that kind of friends, those kind of friends. I was making a movie called uh, Wanton Baby in Jersey. And Gunner was in that. I've probably been in about eight movies with Gunner. And he, but he was in that for like a day. He had a big day. But it was got done in one day. And so before he went home back up to Maine, he took the train down to Jimmy and April's and spent a day with them before heading back home because he was in the area. And that just shows you that whoever comes within their artistic uh, sphere, it's like, it's really for life. You know, I mean, there, there's obviously, not everybody gets along, but I would say for the most part that it's just it's contagious because they, they live it. They're one of the few people uh, who truly live the artistic lifestyle, you know, like um, he's always playing music. She's doing the belly dancing. They're always incorporating some kind of art, artistic expression into, into some part in all of their lives. So just having that kind of headset, I just always it's always like, you know, it's its a place that we all should aspire to be, you know, and it's not like they're millionaires, which they may be. But I don't think they are. But the, that's where happiness comes from. They're happy people. They're happy. They're creating. They create every single day in one way or another. And they're yeah, they're everything that you think they are. They really are they're everything you think they are they're fantastic people
1: uh when when we die down a little bit I'm hoping that they'll be gracious enough to come on the podcast uh yeah, I'm hoping. sure I haven't asked them yet because we've just been in flux but uh man I wish
0: oh they so. will they will and they'll be awesome they'll that's be cool good. yeah yeah you'll have a great time never not a good time with those guys it's good <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's awesome I, I You just made my whole day Because uh, I've been idolizing them for years um, So I have a, another odd question While we're staying on independent cinema So years and years ago I got this movie called Santa Claus mm-hmm. And um, I've heard about the sequel slash remake And that was uh, Scream Queen Naked Christmas I think it was and everybody says that Santa Claus was not the good version, but the Scream Queen one was the good version. And I have yet to see it. And I know I, I was a tape trader for years and no one ever had it. So is there anything yeah. you could tell me about those two films and why everyone is telling me that one is way better than the other?
0: Well, it, that makes absolutely no sense, to what they're telling you, because one is part of the other.
1: I, I thought do, that do you
0: even do you remember the movie at all?
1: Santa Claus, I remember. Okay. Uh I didn't So see you know
0: that the the, the the movie, right? The the so-called movie they're making within the movie. The movie in
1: the yeah.
0: That that that's the that is cut together with intros by um Wayne, the character Wayne. Um and and that is Scream Queen Naked Christmas. There's no other movie. There's no remake. There was going to be a remake, potentially, um, that John Russo was working on, trying to get somebody to remake it. And I was dying wanting this to happen. Like, what on earth would somebody do with this material? Um, Dying to see what would come of that. But as of right now, um, don't know anything about that. But what you're talking about, they are actually the same movie.
1: That's interesting. No wonder yeah. I can't find the other one. Uh, yeah, because you already have it. Years.
0: Well, not on VHS, but if you had, um, they were separated on VHS because obviously it's not like a DVD or Blu-ray, which it's out on now, where it could be like, oh, side 2 has the movie that they were shooting in the movie, you know, narrated by the character Wayne, just to give it a little bit of you know context and that's that's really all it is. So I, I am I really am waiting for a remake because I want to see what somebody somebody does. Uh,
1: you're not the only one. I have brought it up <laughs> for years and years and years. And apparently um Santa Claus, you you I guess uh that's even hard to find. Uh people yeah. can't find that either. I've had a few people like I've looked around for it and I can't find it on dvd or vhs yeah I don't know. Yeah. What do, you, a- what do you tell them like welcome to the independent world <laughs> like-
0: yeah welcome welcome the only thing i could say if you were like so you know dedicated to finding it you would go to alternative cinema the distributor they probably have it on their website
1: mm.
2: there is there is something to be said though for um hard like something being hard to find though, right? Mm -hmm. Like if everything is within our grasp, it no longer is special. So, you know, I do appreciate that there are still movies that you can't find because it does feel like you can almost watch anything at any point in time these days. But when Josh talks to me about um, a lot of the independent films that I maybe wasn't aware of and he kind of like these (laughs) hard to find ones, it always intrigues me because I'm like, that makes me want to see that now. And I'm going to, you know, Keep that in my on my radar so that hopefully one day I can see it. That's uh, like, yeah, sisters. that's sorry. Uh, Josh is saying like psycho sisters. <laughs> I, like yeah. So,
0: yeah, what a great example. And that you know movie psycho sisters? That movie was remade. Yeah. Yes. made it and then more independent people remade it. It wasn't like, oh, somebody with a lot of money remade it. It was no, it was just made and then it was remade.
2: Like be- that. Yeah, I mean, look at Josh's face right now. That is uh, the you know, a man what? who just fell in love because nobody knows Psycho Sisters except. Yeah, for that
0: I know the people. I know everybody involved. That was my uh, era. That was my era. Yeah. That's,
1: aren't you and Tina Cruz like uh, really good friends? Was that? Oh, that- we're
0: well. I mean, we are fr- friends and long time friends, good friends. Well, just because you know, I would say. It says, if you say no, it sounds like you're not friends, but you know, we just don't run in the same circles, but I've known her forever and we get along great. I mean, she's amazing. She's amazing. Oh my God. She's another one. She creates, she is always created. She always will create like just one of these people that lives art. And I love that. And she's, she's like that as well. Very inspirational.
1: She's like the face of wave productions. Yeah. uh... Like,
0: yeah a lot of drowning going on over there a lot of quicksand a <laughs> lot was, of quicksand right yeah oh i know even brink fell fell in that quicksand at least
1: once oh yeah, the, yeah. there were like five drowning movies and like 18 quicksand movies and like, then the
0: chloroform you can't even do you can't do that nowadays the chlor- <laughs> the chloroform movie oh yeah. my god you can't do that anymore
1: But you know what? It was a different time. That's what I tell everybody. It's a different
0: time. It's how do you even describe it without it, you know, being wrong? I I don't know, but I don't have to with you. I could just say the word chloroform and you know what exactly what I'm talking about.
2: Yeah. Right? Oh, so psycho sisters is Josh's favorite film. When someone asks him his favorite film, which
0: version Pamela Such uh, or
2: yeah, Pamela Pamela Such, the productions
1: version. Okay. Um, it was one of those mail order things out of the catalog and I had Mm -hmm. wanted it and wanted it. And, And, you know, I was, I was a dumb teenager. I was homeless. I was a drug addict. Like I had no money, Uh, but I, I was like, I'm going to get it. And I went out and shoveled snow for an entire day and sent away for it and got it. And I was super uh, excited and I've held on to that VHS ever since, um, I have tried to buy Brandon and Dave a copy for years uh, and I can't like we've, they just (laughs) let
2: me borrow it. I will give you credit. You let me borrow your copy. And that was very flattering. (laughs) Wow. I got to watch it. Well, I think
0: Pamela such is on Instagram, if I'm not mistaken.
2: I'm pretty sure I couldn't find her on or a way to contact her on. I think she was on some, some social media. I was trying to figure it out. I wanted to do a little Christmas gift to Josh and reach out to her, but I couldn't figure out how to contact her. Cause I was like that. Josh would, I think Josh would literally pass out. It would be. I, I
0: I am really pretty sure that I, I've seen her on Instagram. I want to say Instagram. Okay. Pretty sure.
2: You heard it, Josh.
0: I you might do. have to get
2: out. You might actually have to get onto social media, Josh. You know, you're allergic.
0: Give them, Give him, Get a yeah. little. Yeah.
2: On here. So, in game. Um, yeah. So, so Debbie. <laughs> I,
0: yeah.
2: I know that you spent uh, you spent quite a while with us tonight, and I honestly feel like Josh and I could talk to you for hours. So, and you I and I'm not going to. I'm not going to do surface. that. Too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm it's not going to do that yeah. to you. Um, so maybe, maybe at some point down the road, you could join us again. We, I think, we would be absolutely honored if you would consider that.
0: I would be honored, and we could do, call it just part two. <laughs> yes, and we're yeah. not even going to say how many parts there are yet because it, we don't even know, right? No, it's undecided I mean, as I could of go now. Go on and on and on. So yes, it would be my pleasure, and thank awesome. you for having me on. Thank you can, very
2: much. Before you head off, can you just tell? Our listeners, first of all, what you want them to check you out in anything upcoming and then where to find you on social media and stuff.
0: OK, so really it's social media. Just go to Debbie the Easiest because all the links are right there. Uh, a movie called Freak is coming out on oh, Monday. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Bianca Crespo directed that. Um, I'm a voice cynic. So it was made during the pandemic, but she did a wonderful job. She shot it in Philly. Um, so that's it coming right out and it's, and it's really, really good. Very atmospheric, very, um, artsy in a good way. Um, and all like a a mental psychological type of movie. So obscurities, check it out, please. Um, Frankenstein mobster is coming out in March, the end of March, uh, first six minutes of the, the show is, uh, up to listen and check out. So you can go to SoundCloud, go to any of my like Facebook or whatever. There's a link there and it's mm-hmm. fun. All this stuff is free. Right. So as, as you guys know, the podcast mm-hmm. and everything, you don't have to have money to, mm-hmm. to enjoy any of that. So um, yeah, and I'm just about to and uh dark ritual just came out. That's sort of an older movie that was finally released after a very long time. Mystery spots coming out uh, pretty soon. And I'm just about to go and make a movie called In-Betweening, which is the same director, Mel House. And uh, so that's down in Texas next month. So a lot of stuff going on. And as far as the writing goes, we have um, Video Scope. Um, there's a, a book, actually, I'm doing a chapter on Bruce Lee for a book and a chapter actually on Gunner for a Texas Chainsaw Massacre book. So, got a lot of a lot of stuff going. On. You
2: are, but yeah, yeah your hands are in everything.
0: Yeah, try. Got. It. Uh,
2: uh-huh. you um, and what really I mean about the our... guilt?
0: You see what I mean about the guilt? <laughs> yeah. oh, I've got so much to do in a good I, way. I, like it's a beautiful thing, but it's like once in a while you have to let yourself enjoy something. Let the mind like relax.
2: Yeah, and I, I did want to mention uh, with Mystery Spot that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I read that that was actually banned. At one point in like 1989, is that accurate? No, no, this is a
0: brand new movie, Mystery Spot.
2: All right. Did, was there a film that you were in with Lisa Wilcox? Is that Mystery Spot or is that? Yeah, one?
0: she's in that one. She's in uh, Dark
2: Ritual with Maybe me. Maybe that was the one that I read that there was something that held that up or something. Um, Or I made this all up and I, that none of that is accurate at all.
0: <laughs> but you know what? I like it because it makes it, people want to see it more.
2: With that. So yeah. By the
0: way, crazy. all of this stuff has been banned. Yes.
2: All of it. It's all. So not for very careful. Now. <laughs> <laughs> it was all canceled. Oh,
0: are <laughs> <the> on <wrong>
1: risk. <laughs> so awesome.
2: all right. Well, Debbie, thank you again. Appreciate thank it. And uh, this was super enjoyable. So everybody, make sure you check out everything that Debbie just told you to to check out. And uh, stay tuned for when she returns. Uh, so everybody, have a good night. Thank you.
0: Night. Why, why
2: don't you like me? We are going to have a party. How do I look, huh? How do I look?